Scripture this morning will be found in 1 Samuel chapter 7, and I'll be reading verses 7 through 12. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. For he had said, till now the Lord has helped us. God bless the reading and hearing of his word. We've got a number of visitors with us this morning. We're very thankful that you are among us. We would love the opportunity to answer any questions you might have or to visit with you about God's word and the matters that we're talking about and, and, and the things that we're doing. We'd love the opportunity to visit with you. But thank you so much for being among us this morning. <clears throat> I've got allergies, okay? That's why I sound the way I do. I've been sneezing like crazy this week. I guess the pollen in the air and all that kind of thing. It's spring in Houston. So just bear with me as I sound a little bit different than usual. Um, I, I'm sentimental and I think about things like this, but um, it's been two years since our nightmare began with covid as a matter of fact, this, year, this week marks two years since, as a congregation, we first decided that because of propriety and because of what was happening in our country, and nobody knew at that time what was taking place, that one Sunday we were going to have a divided service where half the congregation was encouraged to come in the morning and the other half in the evening. And then the following week and for many weeks to come, uh, we ceased to meet together. Instead, we live streamed and, um, and, and things just continued from there for a number of weeks. I wanna talk about some things related to that this morning because it has been two years. Nobody knows what the future holds. Nobody knows that the things that we've endured over the past two years are finished. We, we don't know that. I mean, a lot of people are acting like it is, but nobody knows the future. But I want us to think spiritually about all this this morning. So open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter seven. 1 Samuel chapter seven. Brother Kent read a passage a moment ago about Israel and their conflict with the Philistines. The Philistines were neighbors to the Israelites and they were a thorn in the side of Israel for many, 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 many decades. And in this particular instance in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Bible says that the Philistines had oppressed and had captured a number of the Israelite cities. And one of the reasons why that had happened was because the Israelites, number one, had not driven the Philistines out of their land, but number two, because they were idolatrous. 
And so Samuel, when they came to him and said, Samuel, these Philistines are bothering us. What should we do about this? Samuel told them in verse four to put their idols away. If you really want God to help you, you put your idols aside, you put them away. And so the Bible says in 1 Samuel 7 verse four, that's exactly what the Israelites did. They put away their Baals and Asherahs and served the Lord only. And then as they continue to be plagued by the Philistines and the way that they were being mistreated, Samuel said, gather all Israel, verse five, 1 Samuel 7, verse five, to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. Samuel was a judge, he was a prophet, and Samuel's role was to intercede for the people with God. And so all the people gathered together and Samuel talked to them about needing forgiveness. And the Israelites brought some oxen, they brought some lambs, and they brought some sacrifices, and they began to offer burnt offerings before the Lord. And they asked for God's forgiveness. They had been idolatrous. They had put their idols away. They had turned to God. And then Samuel began to pray to God. He cried out to God. And I want you to notice as you look at this particular passage, Samuel prays to God for their deliverance and God answers him, it says in verse 9. Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel. First Samuel 7 verse 9, the Lord answered him. And then the Bible says in verse 11, the men of Israel started chasing their enemies, the Philistines, and they chased them as far uh, as, as this place called Beth Car. And then I want us to notice verse 12. What have the Israelites done? They've put away their idols. They've turned their hearts and their eyes to the Lord. They have offered sacrifices to make atonement for their sins. And Samuel has cried out to the Lord because the Israelites are in desperate straits and they need his help. I want you to think about this. When we put away the idols in our lives, when we turn to God and ask his forgiveness, and when we cry out to the Lord for help, that is a recipe for spiritual success. No matter what the obstacle, no matter what the difficulty is, put away your idols, turn to God, ask for, your, ask for forgiveness, and ask for God's help in the midst of difficulties. That's a recipe for spiritual success. But it's what Samuel does in verse 12 that I want us to focus on this morning. In verse 12, the Bible says, 1 Samuel 7, 12, then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mitzpah and Shin and he called its name Ebenezer saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. There's a song called, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And one of the lines in that song, we sing it, we sing it fairly frequently here at Katy. One of the lines in that song goes, here I raise my Ebenezer Hither by thy help I've come. And the line comes from this verse. I want you to think about what Samuel did. In the midst of this great victory and in the midst of this great change among the Israelites, we're putting away our idols and we're turning our hearts to God. The Bible says that Samuel thought it was important to go and find a stone. And it's not just, it's not just a little stone like you'd buy at the rock garden. It is a boulder. And I don't know where Samuel got this boulder from, and I don't know how he moved it to this particular place, but this was great effort, this was great exertion on Samuel and probably a few other people's part. And Samuel named the rock. He said, I'm gonna name this rock Ebenezer. It means God helps, stone of help. And this rock is gonna be a memorial. And Samuel says, up until this point, the Lord has helped us. Sometimes 
on two-year anniversaries of long national and congregational nightmares. Sometimes it's good for the people of God to go to effort, to go to lengths, to remember where we've come from and to remember the recipe for future blessing. And that's what this lesson is this morning. If I could bring in a boulder this morning, not going to do it, but if I could, I'd bring a big boulder and I'd put it right down here in front of everybody and we'd name it Ebenezer and we'd say, a stone of help. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. He blessed us. He has been good to us. And the focus, when everybody looked at that rock that Samuel had set up, the remembrance was supposed to be there. God blessed us with victory. When we turned from our idols, when we repented of our sins, and when we returned to him and asked for help, God blessed us and he helped us. And it's not just a remembrance of what happened in the past, but it's a template for the future. This is what God would have us to do in the future. God would have us to turn from our idols and to turn to him and ask his forgiveness. And God would have us to look to him and ask for his help. The stone of help. Here I raise my Ebenezer. This morning, as a congregation, here we raise our Ebenezer. We put a metaphorical stone before ourselves and we remember what God has done with us for the past two years. And we remember that this is also a template for how God will bless us if we will turn to him and put our trust in him in the future. I want us this morning to look at five challenges that God has blessed us and helped us with over the past two years. And I want us to think about the fact that these five challenges, they are also a recipe for future blessing if we'll just keep trusting God. Five challenges, here they are. Number one, God has blessed us and helped us for the past two years with the challenge of wisdom in uncertain times. People overuse the word unprecedented. I got so tired of hearing unprecedented. I know you did too. It's almost like, when are we going to get back to precedented times? <laughs> For the last two years, what we've been through has been unprecedented, at least in our lifetimes. And I want you to think about what ne what's needed and what everybody was looking for, whether they knew it or not, was wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to see and to choose what's best. The ability to see and to choose what is best. There may be a number of bad options, of sinful, of wicked options. Those are never best. But in the litany of options available to an individual or to a congregation, there may be a number of options. And it's difficult to see sometimes which of those options is best. What would God have us to do? I'm so thankful for our elders. I'm so thankful for the fact that they have given so many countless hours asking God for wisdom, praying to God for wisdom. And as a matter of fact, that's exactly what God would have us to do. In James chapter one, verse five, God says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and God will bless him generously and without reproach. That's the way God blesses people. He gives wisdom to those who need it. And our elders and many of you as individuals and your families have prayed to God and asked him continually for wisdom. But I want you to know, wisdom is rarely obvious beforehand. When you're looking ahead and you're wondering what's best, it's rarely obvious. That's why we need God's help. That's why we need to look to him. 
Turn in your Bibles and look with me at James chapter 3 and verse 17. And I want you to notice, James has a lot to say about wisdom, this ability to see and to choose what's best in a given situation. And incidentally, when we talk about wisdom, brothers and sisters, it's a character matter. It requires godly character. If you're going to seek wisdom in the past, people have sought wisdom, but this is a recipe for the future as well. If you're going to seek wisdom, if you're going to look for what's best in a given situation, James 3.17 ought to be on our minds. Listen to what it says. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Is my character consistent with the wisdom that's from above? It's not just about what's best for me personally. It's about what's best for everyone involved. It requires godly character. I'll tell you this, as you look at James 3.17, if peacemaking, if being at peace with others, if that's not part of your thinking, you're not acting out of wisdom. If being pure and holy and righteous in your actions and in your attitudes is not part of what you're all about, you're not seeking heavenly wisdom. If being willing to be reasonable and listen and being willing to yield, if that's not at least part of your thinking, you're not using heavenly wisdom. But God blesses people who seek his wisdom in uncertain times. And not only does it require godly character, it demands steadfast endurance. The church, congregationally, just listen to what I'm about to say. The church is like one of those oil super tankers out in the Gulf. The church as a congregation cannot, does not, people do not turn on a dime. Now you and your family, personally, you might be able to make a decision and then tomorrow make a different decision, but that's not the way that things work with the people of God. It is difficult and it is time consuming for those who are overseeing the work to make changes and steadfast endurance and gradual, slow measured changes are very often the fruit of wisdom. And I'm thankful that we have elders that see that and that work that way. The challenge of wisdom in uncertain times, I don't think our times are any less uncertain going forward, but God will bless us. By his help, we've come to this point and by his help, we will continue. Secondly, God has blessed us and will continue to in the challenge of building relationships in a time of isolation. Isolation, distancing, those kinds of things have been frequently mentioned and preached in many different ways in many different parts of our society. But the problem is that human beings were built for relationships. There's no way to escape that. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, you were built by God for a relationship. You were built for other people. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, one of the first things God said about man, about his creation was, it is not good for man to be alone. And so I'm going to create a helper suitable for him. God built us for relationships. And not only that, but as Christians, the Bible calls Christians to relationships with one another. The Bible says in these words, stir one another up to love and to good works. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. It says, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially, special place in our heart, especially those who are of the household of faith. And so those two principles at least ought to guide our thinking, but how do you do that in times when isolation is what's called for, when that's what seems to be wise, what seems to be best? 
we are to be wise in times of distress. At 1 Corinthians 7 verse 29, the apostle Paul mentions a present distress. Nobody knows what that was. But do you know what Paul was saying there in 1 Corinthians 7 verse, 20, or verse 26? He was saying that it's wise, at least for right now, in his judgment, for people not to get married. At that particular time, in that particular circumstance, 2,000 years ago, Paul was saying, it might be wiser for you not to get married right now because there's a present distress. There's something that is troubling the, the church or the culture in which you're living, and it might just be better for you to remain single. That would have been Paul's preference in that particular context. The point for us as the people of God, we may not always be able to do everything we want to do but are our eyes open to those principles? And even though we may not always be able to do everything we want to do in a given circumstance, will we put our trust in God that he never wastes an experience and that even the difficult things that we endure, there are lessons to be found in those. The challenge of building relationships in a time of isolation. Challenge number three, for the past two years of what has God done and blessed us with. How about this? The challenge of showing mercy and kindness in a time of anger and hurt. I don't know that there's been a time in my life when I've been more confronted, this is just me personally, when I've been more confronted with various people who are angry. And, and I understand where the anger comes from in a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different outlooks, a lot of different issues. I mean, people have gotten angry about all kinds of things. You know what I'm talking about because you've been confronted too. And it doesn't really matter what issue you pick. It's almost like everybody during this last two years, everybody, whatever the issue was, that was the issue. I mean, it's, it's important to me, so it must be important to you too. And all of a sudden it became either you're with me or you're against me. And people went to opposite poles on all kinds of things. How are Christians supposed to act in times like that? I believe our God... Our God who we're remembering a stone of help here. I believe our God teaches us these things. He, believe, he teaches us in Matthew 5 verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. I believe that there is a lack of mercy among a lot of people who claim to be Christians. May it never be said of us that we have failed to show mercy to others. Mercy is when you treat somebody better than they deserve. I know you have convictions about whatever it is that's important to you. I know that you have strong feelings about whatever it is. I know that you do. I have some strong feelings about things too. But blessed are the merciful, those who treat others better than they deserve. In James 2 verse 13, James says, judgment will be without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Now, I want you to listen to that. Judgment will be without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. In other words, God's going to be as merciful to you and me as we are willing to be to others. If you're not going to show mercy to somebody else, if you're not going to show kindness to somebody else, if that's not on your heart and if that's not on your mind, you're going to be judged with that same kind of standard. And then James says in James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. I believe people need to hear that more 
in our society where everybody is so shrill and so outspoken about the things that they're angry about and the things that they're hurt about when everybody is so upset. Can we be merciful to one another? Can we show patience and kindness to one another? 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, love is patient and kind. And the thing about love is, when you read 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7, love is tough. It's difficult. The things that 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 have to deal with is being patient and being forbearing and not asserting myself and not making sure that I'm getting what I deserve, but rather thinking about somebody else and what is best for them and enduring difficulties that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Where is that in the way that people have handled the last two years? Where is that? And maybe some of us as Christians need to repent and ask ourselves, where is the mercy? Where is the compassion? Where is the love that I wanna demonstrate to other people, to my brothers and sisters, especially in Christ? Where is it? God shows us how to deal with these difficult situations. And he says things like this, Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. As I read the Bible, I find God saying, be kind, be merciful, be compassionate, be wise in the way that you treat others. And God has blessed us and helped us to think about these principles in ways that we might never have thought about them before. I know it's been that way for me. Are these things that are important to you? Number four, challenges that God has helped us with in the last two years. How about the challenge of seeing God's blessings in a day of great difficulty? You know, it's one thing to look around when you're comfortable and, 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 and happy and, and life is going well. It's one thing to look around and count your many blessings. It's another thing altogether to count your many blessings when times are tough, when difficulty is near. The Bible says in James 1 verse 17 that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That's saying that God constantly constantly showers good things into the lives of people. That's what God's all about. He is a God of goodness. He's a God who goes around doing good, Acts 10 verse 38. He is a God who constantly blesses people. And think about this. There are some blessings that you cannot receive unless you suffer. There are some blessings that you can never experience unless you first go through difficulty. There just are. Think about what we might have missed over the last two years as we think about blessings in the days of difficulty. I know a number of people who, especially early on during the pandemic, rediscovered, and I put that in quotes, family. Your life was being lived at a million miles an hour, but all of a sudden, being home and staying home, I noticed in my own neighborhood, I noticed that everybody was out walking with their families. You remember that two years ago? Everybody got out because we're with our families 24-7 and we get out and we go for walks and we, we look at nature and we spend time with one another. That's a blessing, even in the middle of a difficult time. How about as a congregation, the fact that our online presence 
has been a blessing to people in other places. Did you know that early on in the pandemic, there were entire congregations in other parts of the country that were tuning into our worship services because they did not have the capacity or the facilities to be able to live stream. For, for a number of weeks, there were congregations that were all tuning in and we received all kinds of encouraging messages from them. We're thankful for that. Did you know that even today, every service we have from the auditorium is live streamed out through the cameras? And even today, on a weekly basis, there are something like 200 individual screens that are watching the things that are happening here at Katy. And I hear from a lot of those people, and I know you probably do too, but the message of the gospel and the ability to worship if someone is shut in, those kinds of things have been a tremendous blessing even through this time of difficulty. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them, and that's exactly what this is doing, teaching them to observe all things that Jesus has commanded. It's a blessing. How about, I think this way, how about moving at a slower pace? I want you to just think with me for one moment. Go back in your mind a year and a half, two years ago, and think about the pace of your life. Oh, I know it was frustrating because I remember, when are we gonna get back to normal? Quote, unquote, normal. For us, normal means fast. It just does. For us, normal means busy. For us, normal means a schedule that is cram-packed full of all kinds of events and gatherings and works and things like that. For us, that's what normal means. But do you remember how nice it was do you remember what a blessing it was for at least a few months of your life to move at a slower pace? Do you remember that? Do you remember that you reflected more and you engaged with people more and you connected with the people around you? Do you remember that? Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 talks about the man who waits on the Lord. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And sometimes you move at a breakneck speed like an eagle does, but sometimes all you can do is just walk humbly with your God. There's a blessing that's found in moving at a slower pace. There's a blessing in learning contentment. A lot of the things that people thought they had to have two years ago, they've given up on. There is a great shift going on in our country regarding work, regarding how people work and where they work and why they work. There's a great shift taking place. People are making different decisions and that's not altogether a bad thing because things that we have just assumed that we need and things we've just assumed that we have to have in order to you know, live life to the fullest, all of a sudden we start to put those things in perspective. Philippians chapter four, verse 11, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content, the apostle Paul said. If we have God and if we have a relationship with God through his people, if we have those things, we can be content wherever we are and whatever's happening with us. The challenge of seeing God's blessings in a day of great difficulty and thanking him for those things. And then fifth, the challenge of holding on to hope in a day of anxiety and despair. What's the world got to hope for? What have people in the world got to look forward to? For the people of God, the best is always yet to be. I like this expression. The future is as bright as the promises of God. 
Think about that. The future is as bright as the promises of God. And when everyone around us is losing their head, when everyone around us is wallowing in anxiety and despair, the people of God have a hope. They have a outlook that is different. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 calls our hope in Christ the anchor of our souls. You have this hope in you. It's the anchor of your soul. It anchors your soul no matter how the winds blow and no matter how circumstances may influence you, this hope can be yours. Philippians 1.21, the apostle Paul faced an uncertain future. He wasn't sure if he's going to live or die. And so he just summed up his life this way. He said to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said in John 14, verse 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to return again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Christians endure difficulty differently. And the reason why they do is because of the God that they serve. Because of his mighty power and because of his blessing and because of his mighty promises. Blessing and promises help us to endure in days of anxiety and despair. Before the lesson concludes, I want you to listen to me very carefully. There are four passages I would like to bring to your attention. Just as Samuel put a large boulder and that was supposed to be a memorial to Israel, these four passages ought to be on our minds as a congregation. Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. No matter what this life may hold in the future, we can be sure that God is not only present, he is very present in times of trouble. Passage number two, Psalm 27, verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, sometimes we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. And one of the ways we preach the gospel to ourselves is by remembering passages like these. What am I really hoping in? What am I really looking forward to? And what am I really afraid of? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Hebrews 13, five and six. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. The Lord is my helper. He will not leave me nor forsake me. What am I really concerned about? And then finally, Romans eleven thirty six. Speaking about God, the passage says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters and friends, the God of heaven has guided us and helped us and blessed us in innumerable ways through innumerable challenges not only for the last two years, but for all of our lives and all the existence of this congregation. God continues to do that even today. And what we're talking about when we talk about a stone of help is remembering what he has done, but also 
realizing that the God who's helped us to this point is going to continue to be with us and to bless us and to help us in the future. May God's people look to him. May we put away the idols from our lives and may we seek his forgiveness and seek his face in times of trouble. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a New Testament Christian and you wanna respond to the gospel because you realize that you need to obey. You need to turn to him and you need to find forgiveness. It can only be found in Jesus Christ. Do that this morning before it's too late. Repent of your sin, confess Jesus Christ as Lord, be baptized for the remission of your sins. The way that someone becomes a Christian is by putting their trust in Jesus, by being immersed with him, and then by living a Christian life. It's a life of hope, it's a life of promise, it's a life in which God, our stone of help, will be with us every step of the way. If we can help you with that this morning, if we can help you in any way, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing.